Um, we are in week three of our series called what? Um, sorry, people are texting me. Get, get this out of my face, all right? Zach, get this out of my face, dude. All right. Um, distractions. Uh, yes, week three of Boogeyman. Spelled like Boogeyman, but it's Boogeyman. And so uh, week one, we talked about having a little bit more faith. Uh, last week, we talked about um, the safety in God's sovereignty. And so uh, what does that mean? It means that God has everything in control, and God is the creator of the universe, and he's the one that is overseeing everything, and everything that happens in our life, God's not surprised by. And so uh, being safe in the sovereignty of God means that nothing that's coming at us or nothing that we have to deal with is a surprise to him, and so and he knows uh that we're going to get through it. And so we just trust God because he's good and he's God. Amen? And so this week, uh, if you're taking notes, the, seri- the title of today's message is going to be, Lord have mercy. Everybody say it like super dramatic, like you're, like you're an old lady from the South. Lord have mercy. Right, right? Go, Lord have mercy. Oh, Lord have mercy. You know? It's like the it's like the what's the other one that's like kind of like a, a gossipy oh bless bless her heart you know you ever you guys ever heard that oh did you hear about did you did you hear about Sally Mae running around with that boy from that Methodist church oh bless her heart bless her heart <laughs> did you hear about that young man Jacob. He's courting that girl from the Presbyterian church across the street. Oh, bless his heart. I heard she's a mess. But bless her heart, too. <laughs> anyway, I don't know why I'm going off on this. But, uh, but so the title of today's message is Lord Have Mercy, and it has nothing to do with that little rant that I was just going on. Okay. Here's a quote. I'm going to start each message with a quote. This is a quote from Max Lucado. And the book that we're that I read that I'm kind of basing this series off of is this book called Anxious for Nothing by Max Lucado. So if you want to dive deeper into what we're talking about, uh, you can purchase that book or audio book or whatever, and it's super, super good. And it has even a study guide uh, book to go with it if you want to do that for small groups and stuff like that. But the quote is, guilt frenzies the soul and grace calms it. Guilt frenzies the soul and grace calms it calms it. My boy's talking back to me. He said, amen, dad. He said, amen. He's doing this thing now, Vince, where it used to be just like cooing and stuff. You know, whatever. And now he's making sounds like with his tongue. So he goes like, and it's super cute. So, But he'll get like stuck. And you're like, what are you trying to say? Anyways, um, Guilt frenzies the soul, grace calms it. So has anyone ever done something that you feel or felt guilty about? Anybody? If you're not raising your hand, you're a liar, so you should feel guilty about that, okay? No, I'm just kidding. We've all done something we felt guilty about, right? All right, I got a couple stories. Um, without getting too into the, uh, the depth of, of me, but okay, so I was about eight years old. Everybody say eight years old. So I was eight years old. Our family uh, went to the... This cabin that our family had up in Lake Chelan, Washington. So we were at this, uh, at this cabin, and it was like 
the, when we got there, my brother's friend Weston came with us. And so he was with us the whole time. But like night two, um, their friend Kenny uh, came up afterwards. And so it was like later at night when Kenny got dropped off. And so I don't know why, but for some reason my dad, Kenny, and Weston, and my brother uh, were all out on the dock. And they're just, hey, what's up, Kenny? Welcome, man. How's it going? They're just like chilling, chatting it up, you know. And they're all like... They're all, like, preteens, like, 11, 12, 13-ish. I think Kenny was, like, 14. Weston was 12. I think my brother was, like, 11. And so I'm about 8 years old. So I, like, there was the main cabin, and there was a bunkhouse next to it. So I'm standing at the bunkhouse, and I hear him going, ah, laughing, what's up, what's up, what's up? So I, like, peek out the door. I was like, what is going on out here, you know? So I peek out there. I see the four of them out there. I said, okay, fine. So I walk out, and uh, I, I, I still to this day have no clue why I did this, but it just happened. So I, I just walked down the dock like this. And Weston's standing, like, right here, you know, and they're all talking over here. And so, and they're all, like, it's nighttime. And so even when it's summer in Washington, when it's nighttime, the water's really cold. So it's not like, it's not like here where it's like, oh, night swimming. No, you don't do that in Washington unless you're crazy, which sometimes we were. But uh, so I'm walking down the dock to go say what's up to Kenny because Kenny just rolled up. So I walk like this. Weston's standing right here. And I walk past Weston, and I just go like this. And he goes off the dock, fully clothed, jeans, hoodie, like everything, shoes, just for no reason. I just pushed this fool off the dock, and he's like in this freezing cold water, like that, his face, like, and my dad pulls him out, Brett! And I was like, what, dude? And he's like, why would you do that? I was like, I don't know, I thought it was funny, you know? He's like, it's not funny, go, go back to the bunkhouse. And I was like, whatever, so I walk inside. But, like, in the moment, I was like, that was so funny, you know? Like, I just pushed a bit. But, like, Weston didn't do anything to me. Like, <laughs> Weston was never mean to me once in my life. And so I was like, why would I push him in the lake? But I just had this real deep urge to push him in the lake, so I did it. And, uh, but, like, ever since, like, whenever I think about that, I just feel super bad. Because, like, he didn't even, like, laugh. Like, Weston wasn't even like, ha-ha, good one. Or he wasn't even, like, super mad where he's like, oh, I'm going to get you back. He just looked, like, sad. Like, like I pushed him in. He just looked at me like, really? You know, I was like, oh, gosh. Yeah. It was like imprinted in my head. I was like, oh. So, like, yesterday I texted Weston about it. And Weston's, like, 30 now. And I was like, hey, remember when I pushed you at the lake? <laughs> like, Shalane, sorry about that. And he, like, just sent me a crying face. So he's still sad about it. But um, so that there's one. Here's another one. And uh, I think I've told this story before in here. But one time we had this field day. Uh, in kindergarten, and so anybody ever had a field day in school? It's like you like turn and do like Usain Bolt all of a sudden on this day. It's like, hey, field day's tomorrow. You like roll up with your like shorts and your like best shoes, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna kill all of you, right? Our class is the best class, you know, whatever it is. And so you're competing for this different stuff. You like you you know do like a a race and all these different random little games and the the um, the sack race or like the three legged one or whatever. I don't know what it is. But you're doing all this stuff. So uh, my kindergarten class is doing it. I was, like, in first place for this thing. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm good. I'm going to win this. This was back in the day when they gave out, like, first place trophies and stuff. So, like, I was like, you know, I'm going to win that first place trophy. And uh, that was a joke. They probably still do. But anyways, okay, whatever. Um, but they handed out these stupid participation ribbons. And I didn't want one of those. Okay, I was like, I'm going to win first place, okay, and that's the end of it, and so uh, me and this kid, Nathan, who was like my best friend uh, in this class, and 
Uh, so me and Nathan uh, were kind of kind of neck and neck. Basically, whoever won this last race, it was like a hundred yard dash. Whoever won this last race was gonna win first place. And so we take off running. And Nathan was a little bit taller than me. He was kind of this like nerdy kid who like you didn't think was super athletic, and then he's just like zoom blazing fast. You're like, oh my gosh, you know. So we take off. I'm like, you know, ready to go. You know, and then they say, go. <laughs> and we're probably, because we're like kindergartners, so we're probably running like super slow. <laughs> like, like, like the, yeah, like snails, you know, but I'm right. <laughs> just running. And then Nathan's just gapping me, dude. He's like, he's like starting to go faster, faster, faster. Like I took off faster than him, but he's coming. I, I feel him coming. He's just <laughs> striding out because he's like seven feet tall in kindergarten, you know, <laughs> just running. And I thought in my head, another thing, another weird moment, kind of like pushing the kid off the dock for no reason. I was thinking to myself, wow, okay, how can, I, how can I guarantee I win this race? The right answer should have been, like, run faster, you know, like, just try your best, Brett, you know? And I was like, no, I got to win, man. So I'm coming up. This is my, like, best friend at the time. I'm running. And he's running up beside me. Another kid that, like, this is not a kid to, like, pick on. He's not, he's not like, a, really a good sport about it. He wouldn't be like, oh, this is so funny, or, like, I'm going to get you back just depression automatic so I'm like running and he comes up beside me and I just like this boom face plant like in the gravel like just skidding across and uh and this was this was uh Emerson would know this was at at the church up on the top lot the top parking lot and we're running that that anyways she knows back in the day it wasn't there wasn't a lot of grass there there wasn't it wasn't super good now it's better but there's like gravel, grass, gravel, grass, some more gravel, and some more grass. And so as we're running, I'm running like this. I go, shoo, like this. And he goes, boom, in his face, cut up. Just like, shoo, his glasses fall off. Yeah, that's the worst part. It's like so much more sad when someone's glasses fall off. So his glasses fall off, and he's like sliding, and I run. You know? back to Nathan, yeah, suck it, loser, you suck, you know, and the teacher's like, brat, and I was like, what, she's like, you obviously trapped him, and I was like, no, I didn't, here's your participation trophy, I was like, come on, you know, and so I felt bad, but then, like, say, that one I feel worse about than the Western thing, you could dry off, but this one, <laughs> this one probably scarred this kid for life, and, like, so his face just, like, sliding on the gravel and then looking up at me with like just this deep sense of depression like why would you betray me like that you know it was like it was like you know shake and bake and then you know he shaked and I didn't bake I just tripped him you know and and he was like I thought we I thought we were friends man I thought we had something and uh, so we didn't really talk after that it was kind of awkward you know like when you're kids like you ever been there when you're a kid and your friendship can just like go away just like that I hate you what you know there's this kid, Robbie, in my, uh, like, first and second grade class. He would do that. He'd get all mad. Brett, eat this worm. No, dude. What? I'm not eating the worm. Well, I hate you now. And he'd just, like, walk away. What? And he'd be all sad. Brett's making fun of me because I eat worms. I was like, yeah, that's weird, dog. Like, don't. What? Yeah, I'm going to bully you for eating worms. Like, yeah, these other kids didn't deserve it, but you do, you know. And then, just kidding. Don't bully anybody. But, but then the next day at school, he'd walk back. What's up, Brett? I was like, I thought you hated me. Well, I did yesterday, but we're good now. I was like, okay. But anyways, this one lasted. Like, I tripped Nathan. He scraped up his face. Next day at school, I walked in. Like, was trying to feel out the situation. Like, hey, yo, we good? And he just, like, looked at me and then looked away. And I was like, oh, it's like that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, 
But anyways, I had this deep sense of guilt for a long time for both those things. Obviously, because I remember both of them vividly. I still feel guilty about that. I want to, like, call up Nathan. Hey, dog, did you ever win, like, a field day after that? <laughs> like, I feel really bad, you know. <laughs> if I had a first-place trophy, I would have gave it to him. But um, I think he ended up getting it. But anyways, I just felt really bad. But these types of moments, these, these uh, moments where we feel insanely guilty, and, and I've had more of those moments. Those are just some silly ones. But we've all had some silly ones like that, but also some very intense ones, right? Some moments where we feel like we really, really messed up. But these types of moments can be defining moments in our life that push us forward or pull us back. It can, it can push you to be better or it can pull you back into saying, well, maybe I'm just a bully or maybe I'm just fill in the blank. There's two types of guilt, and I have, we'll have them thrown up here, but one results in I did bad. And the other type of guilt is, well, maybe I am bad. So for me, it was like in those moments, in the, in the moment where I pushed Weston in the lake, I was like, man, I did bad. In the moment where I tripped my best friend to win field day and he scraped up his face on the gravel, I started to think, well, maybe I am bad. You ever been there before? Number one, that says I did bad, that, that can push us towards behavior change in a good way. I did bad, I don't want to do that again. But number two, I am bad, can shape how you see yourself. Well, maybe I'm a bully, or maybe I'm a gossip, or maybe I just, I'm dramatic, or maybe I just can't really keep friendships really well, or maybe, maybe I'm just not very likable, or maybe I'm not very pretty, or maybe I'm not very, you fill in the blank. A harsh consequence of guilt is anxiety. I start to feel guilty about something I did. I start to feel guilty about how I treated someone. And, and, and at first, it's for these big moments. At first, it's pushing someone in the lake when it's freezing cold or tripping someone at field day. But then it, it turns into, because of the anxiety of guilt, it turns into I said something weird to somebody else, and I'm not sure how they took it. Maybe they think I'm a bad person. Maybe they hate me now. Maybe, right? So at first it was this big moment that happened. Oh, I did something bad. But now it's everything that you do. You question on if you're bad or not or how your intentions were. It's like the story of Adam and Eve in Genesis. And I think we have Genesis 3, 8. And we could throw that up real quick. Uh, And they heard the sound of the Lord, Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And so we see this immense guilt and shame. Why? If you guys know the story of creation and the story of the fall, uh, Adam and Eve were created and, and they were living life. It was good and everything was perfect. They're in the Garden of Eden. And, and, and God, because God is a good God and doesn't make us robots, he gave them all wonderful things uh, to eat and, and to um, experience. And then there was one tree in the middle, and he said, hey, this is, uh, this is a bad tree, uh, and you shouldn't eat from that tree, okay? And so basically, why, you might be saying, why would God even do that? Because God has to give us a choice. God has to give us a choice to either do the right thing or do the wrong thing. If, we, if he only gave us a choice to do the right thing, then we're just robots. <laughs> we just 
walk around doing whatever, whatever you say, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's like, but we have to have the choice. So God gave all sorts of wonderful things and said, hey, I'm giving you the choice to choose the bad thing, but don't do it, right? If you don't do it, it's great. Everything's going to be cool. And then, as you know, the, the devil comes into play and, and as a serpent and slithering around and starts um, speaking lies over them. And, and then they, they eat the fruit and then all of a sudden there's this immense sense of guilt and shame and they cover up because they were naked. Ew. And uh, so they like cover up and they're like hiding from God, which is you can't hide from God, right? So everything was good at first and then the serpent came and they sinned and guilt birthed anxiety. Guilt came first, then anxiety. And so like we've talked about the last couple of weeks, like last week with the sovereignty, sometimes anxiety happens because we think everything is in chaos and we don't trust that God has it in control. But sometimes we have anxiety because we feel guilty for how we act or guilty for something that we've done and we've never dealt with it the right way. Max Lucado gives us these examples of how we try to deal with guilt. There's a lot of them, but um, the first one is, and you can write all these down. So the first way that we try to deal with guilt is numb it. You don't have to raise your hand, but anybody ever done that before? You, you, f- you feel like you have to numb it. And so, and this is with, um, you've seen the movies with the, the dad who did something bad and becomes an alcoholic. He tries to numb it with alcohol. You try to numb it with um, drugs, or you try to numb it with, even for some of us younger people or some of you junior highs, high schoolers or whatever, sometimes you even numb it with something like video games. I, I don't want to think about it right now. Or you numb it with something else. But basically the idea is that you numb it with a moment of ecstasy. You, you numb it with this moment of momentary pleasure. Remember we talked about that a couple weeks ago? Which usually is sinful. <laughs> Not that video games are sinful, but if you're running away from, from forgiveness in an, in, a, in an encounter with God, it, it could be, right? Or we deny it. Anybody ever done that? I'll let you raise your hand for this one because it's not that bad. I do this all the time. You deny it. You do something bad. Hey, hey Brett, my dad. Hey, Brett, uh, so, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, the window in the back is broken. Was that you? Seriously? Who would do something like that? That's crazy. Well, Brett, you, like, a half hour ago, you were playing baseball in the backyard. And then I heard you hit something, and then it, I heard the window break, and you said, oh, shoot, and ran inside. So, like, so was it you or not? And I was like, dang, that's crazy. Like, I've heard Evan sounds just like me, so that was probably him. And I was like, Evan doesn't play baseball, Brett. Oh, well, he does now, you know, so that's crazy. Maybe Brittany's voice dropped. I don't know. So, uh, so we deny it. We try to make our way around it. And we lie right away, and then, it, and then it escalates. And then someone else asks you about it, and you're trying to remember what lie you told the other person. Um, did I say my brother or my sister? Um, uh, my sister, uh, her voice dropped and she hit it into the window. What? No, oh, that wasn't it. Um, it was my brother. Right, or whatever. So we numb it, we deny it, or we minimize it. It wasn't, it wasn't that big of a deal. Hey, Brett, did you break the window? Yeah, dude, but come on, it's just a window. <laughs> you know, who needs them? We open it half the time anyways, you know. We don't need windows, Dad. Chill, it's fine. I'm just going to use that example the whole time. But, but, we, but we minimize it. We do, something, we do something bad and we're like, oh, it's not, it's not that big of a deal. You, you, do, you do something that you're not supposed to behind closed doors or when no one's looking. And oh, I guess I mean, it's not a big deal. It's just one time. 
just one time. It starts when we're real young, and you hear people saying bad words or something, and you just like say a bad word real quick in passing with your friend. You're like, oh, that wasn't that bad. They didn't really care. They didn't notice. They don't know I'm a Christian, so it's not like I'm hurting anything. Right? You ever been there? Or we bury it. You do stuff to get your mind off of it. You do something really bad, and you just run it. Like, what? you guys have heard the story of when my friend put a hole in a semi-truck with a rock on accident. And so what did we all do right away? We ran away. I just called someone. Hey, uh, you want to hang out? Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah, uh, let's play video games or something. I don't know. You know, my mom calls me. Why are the cops at her house? Oh, I have no clue. That's crazy. I did, like, four of them in one. Like, I, I buried it. I minimized it. Mom, it's not that big of a deal. Cops, like, they come to the house all the time. And I denied it. Like, it wasn't me, dude. I didn't, I didn't even do that. And then I numbed it. What truck? <laughs> you know? But you, like, you work through all, all these different ones. Or you punish it. This one's a little heavier. You punish your guilt by hurting yourself or, or setting unrealistic rules. In front of you. Well, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to do this. I'm never, ever, ever, ever. I got to. Or, or you try to punish it by, by self-harming or something of that nature. Or you avoid it. Just don't bring it up. I wasn't supposed to date until I was 16. When I was in seventh grade, this girl moved in next door. I thought she was kind of cute. She was a Mormon girl. So that was like double no-no. Don't date anybody. And also, she's a Mormon. Why would you date her? It's not going to work out, you know. Don't be unequally yoked, whatever. I was a good Christian boy. But I was like, dude, she's cute. So texted her with my Nokia. Hey, yo, you want to be my girlfriend? Yeah, sure. Cool. So we're like texting stuff. My brother at the dinner table is like, hey, mom and dad. Um, Brett's dating the Mormon girl next door and they're like, <laughs> Evan, stop. Come on, you know. No, he's not. I was like, yeah, Evan, that's stupid. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> why would I do that, Evan? Come on, you know. Sheesh, why would I do that? And uh, Evan's like, are you kidding me? You don't, you're not going to believe me? They're like, no, he's not doing that. I was like, Evan, <laughs> I'm not doing that. Evan, <laughs> I was like, I'm not, you know, I'm trying to focus on football right now, you know. <laughs> and then, I'm married to the game, Evan. Why would I date somebody? Come on. And, uh, and then I went up to him after, if you ever do something like that again, I swear. I was like, don't mention it. Don't say anything about it. Avoid it. Right? I don't want to hear it. Hey, Brett, do you think any girls at school are cute? What? Girls? No. Get out of here. No. Right? You just avoid it. Evan said you were. Di- no, I'm not, Mom. Okay? Or we redirect it. This one, this is one that I've seen recently and. um some friends, family, even some of you, Ooh. and in myself, we redirect it. We yell at our parents and our family for something they weren't even doing to us. Something happening in our lives, something happening at school, something happening, or, or, or something that we're not putting good boundaries up, and it's, and it's pulling us too far apart, and then we go home, and our parents ask us a simple question. Hey, Brett, how was school? Oh, oh, yeah, nice one, Mom. How was school? Yeah, leave me alone, you know. It was fine. It's the, it's the same every day. Good question. You know, and they're like, what? There's a time in, in my sister's life where she, she was doing this a lot, and, and then it turned into me doing a lot, and we were just yelling at each other all the time. She'd come home, and uh, it was just really toxic. She walked through the door. What's up, stupid? I was like, hey, listen, okay, right? You know, let's not start off our day like that, Brittany. She's like, you're just so annoying and stupid. You know, like we're just like yelling back and forth. 
And it's like, what was going on? And I was dealing with something in my personal life, and she was dealing with something in her personal life, and we were redirecting it towards each other. Or we try to offset it. You try to be perfect afterwards. Well, yeah, I, I really, really screwed up. That was really bad, but it's okay. I'm, I'm just going to read my Bible every day, and I'm going to pray every day. And I'm going to um, go up to Pastor Brett on Wednesday and tell him that I prayed for three and a half hours this morning, and I just feel so much better now because uh, yesterday I smoked weed, and today I read my Bible for four hours, so it's all better now, you know? So we just, we just, oh, oh. We just don't deal with it. Or we embody it. This is the worst one. Well, this is who I am now. This is the saddest one. We've seen it with a lot of people. I saw it in high school. There's this, when I moved, when I first moved here, we were, um, I met this kid uh, who was a good Christian guy. We were hanging out, and so he, he, we, like, didn't really go to the parties and stuff, and if we went, we'd just kind of, like, hang out for a couple minutes and then leave, and when things started to get out of hand or whatever, and one time I wasn't there, and so he just got inv- involved, and he got super drunk and stuff, and then, and that was just who he was after that. Yeah, I'm going, oh, that was fun. That was a blast. That's just who I am, man. Like, you know, whatever. So we embody the guilt and the shame because it's like, well, hey, don't make, don't, it's not bad. That's just who I am. I had a bad thought, but that's, because I had that thought, that's who I am now. It's my identity. Go back to the moments where you felt the most guilty. And what kind of person do you become if you leave it unresolved? You become an anxious one. If you do those things over and over and over again, it's like me when I avoided knowing that we put a hole in a semi-truck and knowing that the cops probably got called and I didn't just call my parents and say, like, hey, like, you know, it was an accident. There's this thing that's probably going to be, right? I just, I was so anxious. Like, oh, man, I hope my mom doesn't call. I hope my mom doesn't call. My mom. And then I get the phone call. Oh, no. Anybody ever done that? You're like, oh, please don't call. Please don't call. We get anxious because we, have, we left it unresolved. Psalms 32, 3 through 4. Let's throw that up. Uh, for, when kept, for when I kept silent, or for today, when I left my guilt and shame unresolved, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. When I left it unresolved, I wasted away. Anybody ever felt like that? You just buried something and you buried it deep down inside and you feel yourself just wasting away. So Paul's credibility, let's get back to Paul because he's the one that we're, we're following this main scripture here. And so what's Paul's credibility? Paul's credibility for feeling guilty is because we know him as the guy who led kind of uh, the... The missionary movement of, of moving the gospel from, from, the, from Israel out to all the nations. And so we're like, that's awesome. Paul's amazing. But you know what Paul did before that? He killed Christians for a living. Persecuted Christians. Put them in jail. Uh, Acts 8.3. Let's throw that up. Watch this. But Saul, who was Paul, was ravaging the church and entering house after house, and he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. So if there's anyone that could feel like a little bit of guilt, it was probably Paul. So there's some credibility there for us to understand why Paul is so passionate about ridding us of anxiety when he says, be anxious for nothing. 
So is, does Paul feel guilt? Of course. Paul's method for dealing with his guilt before Jesus was legalism. I'm going to be, I'm going to follow the commandments, I'm going to do all this, I'm going to do all this, and these people are dying and being imprisoned because they're not doing it right. We find ourselves doing that sometimes too. It's a comparison game. We, 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 we push our guilt down and our anxiety with comparison. Well, yeah, yeah, I messed up the other night, of course. Even when we're talking to our parents, hey, did you? Yeah, I did, okay, but you know what? This was the worst when I was growing up. It's like there's another pastor's kid on staff. Yeah, well, yeah, I messed up a lot. But you know what Logan's been doing recently? And you're like, what? You know, or your sibling. Hey, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I did that, okay? Like I, when, when, I, when I cussed in front of my parents the first time, it was really terrible. It was really bad. I said a bad word. I said the D word. <laughs> like dang, but the bad version. And I was like, oh, you know, my Brett, and I was like, uh, "Have you heard how Evan's been talking the last whole year?" You know, and Evan's like, "Dude, what the heck? Why are you throwing me under the bus?" It's like, right? We redirect it, and that's what Paul was doing with legalism. Yeah, I'm, you know, this is for this is for the work of God, right? These people aren't following the rules, and so they deserve to be in prison or die. So before Jesus, it was legalism or perceived perfection. And then he found grace. After Jesus, it was grace. Philippians 3, 7, we could throw that one up. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. So, so Paul goes from saying, I'm better than all of you, to saying, like, whatever I had, man, I, I counted as loss. I'm just, I'm just who Jesus wants me to be. Right? The next one, 3, three 9, I think is what it is. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So for the guy who was like upholding the law and killing people because of the law says, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. So he flipped the script. He found Jesus. So Paul, what did Paul do? Paul gave his guilt to Christ. Last week we gave up control. We gave our control mindset to God. This week, I want us to give our guilt to God. Amen? Philippians 3, 13 through 14 says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. Who needs to do that? Forget what lies behind you. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Here's the thing. I don't want you guys to sin. I don't want you guys to mess up. I don't want you guys to get in trouble or whatever. But whatever happened yesterday was yesterday. What happens today and tomorrow is up to you. And, and living your life feeling guilty for what happened yesterday is not going to do anything for you tomorrow. Right? And this is why we can't bury it down. This is why we can't hold it in or redirect it or whatever. If I do something wrong, i got to address it right then. Hey, you know what? I, I, you know, I gossip about someone or I, or I do something bad. Like when I trip Nathan or whatever, I go up to him. Hey, dude, that was crazy uncalled for. I, I feel so terrible. And I'm really sorry. You know what? I never dealt with that guilt. And so it like still, it's still, I still feel it. It's, it sounds silly because it was like 20 years ago. But literally, I still feel guilty because I never, I never even said sorry. 
And sometimes that's how we are. So we just got to deal with it and then move on. Just go on to the next thing. And you, you, here's the one thing you can control. You can control how you react to a situation and how you apologize, but you can't control somebody else's offense or how they respond. And sometimes in our life, we take someone else's offense as saying that I did something wrong. Well, not necessarily. Sometimes you can offend somebody and they're just offended. So go to them, hey, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I, I'm sorry if I offended you. And then from there, it's on them. It's not you anymore. And if they're not willing to accept your apology, if they're not willing to accept um, the real forgiveness you're trying to achieve, then, then, then you can let them go anyways. But feel good about it because you did what you were supposed to do. Amen? Paul didn't, have, Paul didn't try to cope with his guilt. He just gave it to Jesus. At the second that Jesus came and said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And then he flipped his life upside down. He said, Jesus, I'm sorry, I'll serve you, I'll serve you, I'll do whatever you want, right? He's basically just laying it at Jesus' feet. Whatever I did, you know, that's, that's in the past. That, I'm sorry, you know, take this shame and this guilt away from me. And then he went on to, to push the gospel out to more people than anybody ever had before. Max Lucado says, a happy saint is one who is at the same time aware of the severity of sin and the immensity of grace. What does that mean? I, it means that I know that sin is a huge deal. But I also know that God's grace is bigger than it. That's why we sing that song, you're bigger than I thought you were. I've got, I've got issues, I've got things I've done in the past, I've got things I regret, I've got things that even to this day I feel guilty about. But if I give it to Jesus, I know that even though I did wrong, and even though sin is, is, is detrimental, sin will kill my soul. Even though I know those things, if I give it to Jesus, he's bigger than it. His grace, is, his grace outweighs the weight of your sin. Sin is devastating, and that's why we're in awe of God. Because he's the only one who has the ability to forgive it and rid us of it. God wants you to give grace and mercy. Titus 2, 11 and 15, we can throw that up. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. So declare these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. The big part here is, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all. So declare it. It's like when I tell you to go and tell your friends about Jesus or, or, or share your story with somebody. It's like I, I, we had some guys come to the Youth Alive rally this weekend, and Chris and Andres and Tristan and Jeremiah were there, and, and Chris and Andres were saying, man, I just feel different. I feel like God's really speaking to me. Go tell somebody about that. You know what I mean? Like go to school and be like, hey, dude, I don't, I don't know if you're into church or this whole God thing, but you got to come to youth group with me because something crazy is happening in my life, and I just think you, I think you could use that. Your friend that, like, is ostracized and sitting by themselves, or I guess they're not really your friend if they're doing that, but they're sitting by themselves and, and, and they're getting bullied or whatever, and nobody gives the time of day to that person. And all, they're just kind of off. They're just kind of weird. And you walk over and, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm tired of you being so sad and nobody caring for you. I know someone who cares for you, and I care for you too, and I think you should come to youth group with me. It's like, what? You're like, Brett, that's crazy. Yeah, it's radical. It's life-changing. It's something that could potentially change somebody's life, right? Because you're saying like, hey, I know that you've been in this place, but I know a way out. And if you just trust me, I, I could, if you just give it a shot, I think it could be a big difference in your life. The, the point of Christianity is not to just show up on, on Wednesday night so that you like check it off your box. And like, oh, I went to youth group, so I'm doing good. 
It's like, how are you impacting the world? How are you, how are you impacting your sphere of influence? When we went to this Youth Alive rally, the Youth Alive is all about making your campus a mission field. If you truly believe in the life-changing power of Jesus, why would you hold that back from anybody? Right? And so it should be our goal to see our friends who are far from God get closer. I don't want to see my friends spend their eternity far from God. I want to see them with me. Amen? Like I said before, sin is devastating, but God has the power to forgive and to set you free. So what I'm saying is not that you don't have to worry about sin because of God's grace. What I'm saying is God's grace pushes you not to sin anymore. It's like I don't have to, I don't have to worry about it. It's not like, oh, I'm going to go do something crazy this weekend because God forgives. You know what I mean? It's better to ask for forgiveness than for permission, you know, whatever our stupid sayings are. But what I'm saying is that God's goodness pushes us away from sin, and it pushes us towards his goodness. Amen? My salvation has nothing to do with my work and everything to do with the work of Jesus. You can't earn grace or mercy. Here's the cool thing. You can't earn it. You're like, how do I get this grace? How do I get this mercy? I'm feeling so guilty and shameful all the time. How do I get grace and mercy? You just accept it. You don't have to do anything. You just say, oh, Jesus, you... It's like Jesus is standing outside of your bedroom <laughs> with this big sign that says free grace <laughs> and free hugs too. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I'll take one of those. I'll take some grace and mercy. Right? So give your guilt to Jesus. Sometimes we're like this with Jesus. Sometimes, you guys ever been to a restaurant and someone tries to pay for you? You're like, oh, no, please. Let me pay for it. So God takes this bill, you're sitting at the restaurant with Jesus, and Jesus takes this bill with all your sins on it and says, hey, I'll pay for this, I got this. He's like, no, Jesus, please, come on, <laughs> come on, let me do it. And he's like, no, 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 come on, let me, let me, let me, pay, let me purchase this, let me, let me pay for this for you. And you're like, Jesus, I got this. And you're trying to pay for a tab that you don't have the cash to pay for. So Jesus is thinking in his head, you don't have the money to pay for this. And you're like, dude, I got it. Don't worry. I'll pay for it. He's like, let me take it. So it's as simple to accept Jesus' grace. Think about you holding the, holding the thing that they put the receipt in or the bill, and Jesus is holding the other side. You know how you get grace and mercy? It's just like that. It's what we talked about last week. It's giving up control. And you know what it is? It's giving your guilt and your shame to Jesus. So it's not even anything you have to do. It's something that you don't do. It's something that you don't hold on to it anymore. You don't try to take it back. No, it's okay. I, I got this. You know, whatever. You give it up. And Jesus takes it and wipes it clean. And just like when you're at the restaurant with someone who pays for your whole meal, you're like, why did they do that? They just don't have the money to do that. But you do it anyways. And they just take it. And, it feel, and you're like, wow, I feel so loved. John the Baptist says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Right? So let him take it. Rely on God and he won't let you down. The band, can you come back up? I think actually I want to sing that last song again. Can we do that? So anybody who's in the band who wants to come back up, we're going to play uh, bigger than I thought. Um, 2 Timothy 4.18. We could throw that up. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. 
To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And so, if you will, would you guys just stand up with me as the band starts to play? And uh, if you close your eyes, I've just got a couple questions I want to ask you. Nobody looking around because I don't want anybody to feel embarrassed or anything like that. But just a simple question. Who needs to give up some guilt and shame tonight? Raise your hand. If you've got stuff that you're dealing with, stuff that you feel like you've done wrong, stuff that you can't get a hold of, you've got a bad habit that you're trying to break, you've done some stuff behind closed doors that you're not really proud of and you like to get rid of that and and you're just... You just need to get rid of some guilt and shame. Keep your hands up high. Don't be ashamed of it. Keep your hands up. And I'm even raising my hands. There's things that, you know, I'm not proud of. There's things that I need to rid myself of, things I need to give over to Jesus. So here's the bigger thing. All, right now, what you have to do as I pray is you have to actually give it up. And don't hold on to it. And don't, don't try to carry this weight by yourself. And so I'm going to pray. And if you will, I'd love for you, those of you that have raised your hand that you want to get rid of this guilt and shame, I'd love for you to put your right hand over your heart. And what we're signifying is that as you're praying, you're praying for your heart, that God would restore you, that God would help you, that God would... And here's the thing, there's power in each and every one of you. And there's power in that hand that's placed on your heart because the Spirit of God lives inside of you. The very same power that rose Jesus from the grave is the same power that lives inside of you. So we're going to pray. And I want you to just, man, just believe it with all your heart that what we're praying is true. Amen. So, God, I pray for each and every one of us, God, those who raised their hand, and even those who didn't, God, that you would rid us of our shame and our guilt, the things we've done in the past, God, the things we're not proud of. God, help us to realize that the whole reason you died on the cross is so that we don't have to carry those things anymore. And so, God, just like the silly illustration where we're sitting in the restaurant fighting over the bill with you, God, help us to just let go and just give it to you and trust that you have the money to pay for it. Trust that you have the ability to take it away. Trust that you have the ability to carry those things away from us that we don't have to carry them anymore. So the things we've done in the past don't define us today. God, help us to be defined by you. Help us to know who you say we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Real quick before we move on, before you open your eyes, I want everybody who raised their hand and everybody else in the room to do it as well. But I want us to just let out a big sigh of relief. Big breath in. Let it out. Our goal for this series is to help us breathe again. So last week we gave over control of the world to God. And this week we give our shame to Him.